everyone, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Glad to have you with us once again this week. I'm here with Pastor Nick Katie, who's the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And we are in a series called Upside Down as we currently are going through the Paul's letters to Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And we have come to the end of 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 and we... and. Uh, your sermon is called Until That Day Comes. And we looked at the, the final greetings and final verses and exhortations that Paul had uh, for for the Thessalonians. And, um, you know, one of the verses we, you know, he has this great prayer that he pre- prays there from uh, verse 23, you know, so now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. And, you know, we kind of read that and we kind of maybe, you know, just kind of, don't think too much of it, you know, as a, other than that's a great exhortation to us and great prayer. But, you know, there are theologians who have gone before us and there are people that sit and they dwell and they think real deeply on these things. And, uh, and you know, we have a theological rabbit trail, so to speak. As, as we come there to verse 23, it says, Your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so little bit of explanation, you know, he kind of divides spirit, soul, body, you know, there's some, you know, debate, some, you know, theological wrangling over these terms. Yeah, so um, it's not totally inconsequential, like it kind of matters, but but how much it matters, I didn't think it was worth going into on Sunday morning, because um, it kind of diverted away from the main focus of the text, but I think it's worth mentioning. So there's a um, theological uh, debate which is, uh, the question is, it's called our, the trichotomist view versus the dichotomist view. Trichotomist view, uh, tri, of course, three, it means that the human person is divided into three parts, right? The spirit, the soul, and the body. And so they would use a verse like this to defend that. The difficulty with this is that the, there's other places in the Bible where um, like in First Corinthians, I believe chapter twelve, where he divides the human person into two parts, right? Spirit and body. And then there's even places like Mark chapter twelve where Jesus speaks of four parts, right? He talks about um, mind, heart, soul, and strength, and says that we should give all of those parts of ourselves over to God. And so um, it gets into a question of like, okay, what, what is a human person made of? And is there a difference between a soul and a spirit? So a person who holds a dichotomous view would point to, and rightly so, they would point to verses in the Bible where soul and spirit are essentially used interchangeably. Um, another person would point to a verse like this, which says clearly there's a difference here. And, uh, and a lot of people who have gone before, you know, whether they're Greek language scholars or whether they are theologians, have tried to define what is the spirit and what is the soul and is there any difference between them. Uh, J.I. Packer, I was just reading last night in his, uh, in his concise theology, he uh, holds a dichotomous view. He says the spirit and the soul are uh, kind of two words that describe something similar, but they describe them in different ways. And so uh, what this would mean is if they are essentially the same thing, it would mean that the spirit and the soul is that eternal part of you. It's the core of your being. And some people would divide those and say that the spirit is the eternal part, the part that communes with God, the part that comes alive uh, as, a, as a response of rebirth and regeneration. Um, and the soul is really more like, uh, it's been said, it's kind of 
the the animal part of you, so to say. It's your core of your personality, who you really are as a person. You know, like if I cut off all your arms and your legs, right? You that doesn't affect. Um, you know, the core of your being, nor does it affect your eternal spirit. And so, uh, without being morbid, I mean, that's one way that we try to kind of divide up who people are is like, okay, how much of you could I uh, affect, like cut off or do this without affecting the other parts, right? And so, um, does it really matter? Probably not uh, in the end, but but it is important to notice that there is an aspect of us that it's eternal. There's an aspect of us that is, you know, the core of our being, our, our instincts, our personality. And then, of course, that's all separate from our body. However, it's really important to point out that uh, in this verse, right, Paul prays that God would sanctify not just their spirit and soul, but he would sanctify their body. And that's a unique aspect of Christian take on, on humanness and really not just Christian, but biblical, right? The Judeo, Judeo-Christian biblical view on the, on the body is that opposed to like a lot of ancient Greek philosophy or Eastern philosophy, which has a very negative view of the physical. Uh, Christianity has a very high view of the physical world and the physical body and says that what you do with your body matters, what you do with your life matters. Uh, this material world matters. You know, one of the things that we talked about on Sunday is like, you know, there was actually a time in Christian history where, um, where there was a problem with Christians committing suicide because they thought that that was actually more spiritual to commit suicide, to destroy the body and to get out of this material world uh, and go to be with heaven, go to heaven to be with God. And the church responded to that and maybe in some cases responded um overly, right, by threatening people and saying, hey, if you do this, then you will definitely go to hell. And of course, they've dialed back on that. Even the Catholic Church has dialed back on that in recent years. Um, but this is an important aspect of Christianity. Your life matters. Uh, this life matters. Don't try and speed up getting out of here unnecessarily. God has a mission and a purpose for you in this life. And, and what you do with your body matters. Yeah, and uh, that was just another thought I had when we when we looked at the set verse in verse sixteen. Rejoice always, uh, pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. That's kind of a it's kind of a difficult, especially in in light of the circumstances that the Thessalonians were going through. I remember there was this worship song I was listening to one day, and it said, uh, "Thank you." The chorus like, "Thank you for the trials, for the fire, for the pain." There was another worship leader friend with me. And they said, "I'd never sing that song ever." And, uh, you know, it is a difficult thought. Thank you for the trials. Thank you for the pain. Like, uh, you know, rejoice always. Like that, that, that thing we, you know, Christians kind of, how do we do that, you know, in, that cir- yeah. in all these kind of circumstances, you know? Yeah, we have to have a source of joy, a source of rejoicing that's outside of our circumstances. We have to have a bigger picture that says, you know, my circumstances don't define me. They don't uh, control me. I'm somehow above them because I know that anything happens to me now, first of all, it passes through the hand of a loving God, but also he's using those things for good and for his purposes. And at the end of the day, I'm not my own. I've been purchased. I've been bought. Um, You know, it's an interesting thing that uh, Paul uses this kind of language, you know, you've been purchased, you've been bought, because he's writing to a culture, Roman culture, um, at that time where there was a huge number of slaves. Now, they weren't necessarily slaves in the way that we had slaves in North America. Let's say you might be an indentured servant for a number of years, but during that time, your life was not your own. 
And, uh, and that's the picture. He brings that picture of a Roman slave and he applies that to us, but in a positive way. He says, I'm a bondservant of Jesus. My life doesn't belong to me. In other words, whatever my master decides to do with my life, um, that's his prerogative. And it's my job to serve him and uh, to bring him glory. And I think that once we dial out and get that picture, right, that God doesn't exist to improve our circumstances, rather we exist from God and for God, it gives us a completely different view on life. And we're able to actually say, uh, thank you, God, for this, because this is why I exist. I exist for you and your glory. And uh, and sometimes I get to experience your grace in, in wonderful, nice circumstances. And sometimes I get to experience the fellowship of suffering in the midst of difficult circumstances. Yeah, no, that's some very good thoughts on that on that particular passage. So we've got to drill down into some theology and also just to take away some of the exhortation that Paul Paul has for us in this. And so, so if you missed our sermon, whitefieldschurch.com, you can find it up there. Uh, Until That Day Comes is the title of this message in our series entitled Upside Down as we go through these books, First and Second Thessalonians. And you can find us up on uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and subscribe to our podcast on Google Play or Apple Music, Spotify, you know, whatever platform. We're probably, probably up there. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.